0: This is a podcast about our lived experience, which unfortunately includes infant death and subsequent mental health struggles. Please take good care of yourself and only listen if this content feels safe for you right now. We'll still be here when you're ready. Hi, I'm Judith. And I'm Melina. We're internet friends turned real life friends who both experienced the tragic loss of our sons to sudden infant death syndrome in winter of 2021.
1: In the year after Aiden died, my husband and I both became unemployed, my parents divorced, and we had to move five
0: times for various reasons. And as for me, just a few weeks before my son Quinn died, my then-husband had come out to me as a transgender woman and we were subsequently divorcing. It's been a lot. <laughs> it's been a lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but as long as we're living, we will love our sons deeply and work to make sure that we live a life that makes them proud. Welcome to As Long As I'm Living podcast. We're so glad you're here. So hi, I'm Judith and I'm Aiden's mom.
0: I am Alina and I am Quinn's mom. And then Katie, you're a wonderful guest. Why don't you introduce yourself?
2: Yes, I am Katie Joy and I am Poppy's mom.
1: <laughs> Thank you. And Katie, um, we wanted to ask you, like I said, maybe not, I know that you, you your traditional uh, podcast about your book would be like to talk about your book and maybe have you read a pot passage but I think that we're really interested in you and like I said that idea that like when it rains it pours and like yeah. just keep having shit thrown your way mm-hmm. and like what it feels like to get up from one challenge and then be like pushed down the hole again
0: um, yes. I want to start by saying so I finished your book this morning Yay. and our listeners know that I ate my son's ashes and I I <laughs> I was reading your book and I took a screenshot of it because you also, you did the exact same thing I did. So tell, why don't you tell them what you did and it, our listeners will be like, oh, Alina did the exact same thing.
2: (laughs) Yes. So, um, yes. So my husband and I, after three weeks after Poppy died or about a month, I guess it was about, we and took, Poppy
0: was Poppy was stillborn. We'll just Poppy was we'll
2: say yes. Ahead. Poppy was yeah. stillborn at full term. Yeah, I was I was in labor when I found out that she had no heartbeat. Um, we had had a beautiful pregnancy, totally normal up until the very end, and, and then and then we found out that she was gone. So we chose to have both an autopsy, um, and then her her ashes were cremated, and we picked those up the week before Thanksgiving, and then Thanksgiving week we got on the road and we went on this epic road trip. Um, Eli had taken 12 weeks off with the FMLA benefit and um, we just knew that we needed to be together and spend that time we had we were newlyweds and so it was just like we gotta we got to like we got to solidify this bond now. So we, um, we had an epic journey all the way to the Grand Canyon and when we got to the Grand Canyon. Um, we, I asked Poppy in a meditation in my journal if she would give me permission to scatter some of her ashes into the Grand Canyon. And at that point, I was already developing a, a spiritual relationship with her sort of in this afterlife, this idea of like still being able to communicate and be with her. Plus, I was just so desperate. I mean, I was, she was, I was six weeks postpartum and I just, wow. I, you know, I was like, oh, I missed this baby. I was supposed to have this baby. So Um, She sent us a sign and I won't ruin that for those of you who choose to read the book, but she did give us permission. And um, that evening we went to a a beautiful spot that's called Hopi Point. So, you know, you can Google that and find Hopi Point there in in the Grand Canyon. And and, um, we each so we had we had her ashes just came in this little uh, white box from the funeral home. And we hadn't opened them yet. So we had no idea what they looked like, but they'd been in the backseat of the car with us the whole way. And we pulled them out and we had our little blanket and we burned some Palo Santo and, 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 you know, we just kind of were creating ritual. Like Eli and I have always just kind of just like gone with it. We just created whatever ritual felt natural. And so I poured just a little bit of ashes into her in my hand and they were beautiful. And Alina, I, or Judith, I wonder if you have the same experience, but just like they were like, they were like just sweet little colors, like pink and and blue and gray and kind of green. And it was just crazy. Cause I was like, I've never even, I'd never seen human ash at that point. I was
0: expecting it to be more uniform. And I was surprised to find that it was really like sands like little bits yes, what yes. looks like shells obviously it's, it's not totally shells, like and... shells totally look like shells it remains but yeah judith's son is buried so she doesn't have... I don't know yeah yeah
2: it was it was they're really beautiful but yeah i tossed them into the grand canyon and then i looked at this remainder on my hand and i just without letting myself think too much about it i just licked my hand
0: that's exactly That's what exactly I did. That's exactly what Alina did. That's exactly it? what I did. I was getting a, um, I got was getting this ring made, with how to test some of his ashes in it. Oh, cool! And I like took the little thing, and I was just like, "What am I? I can't. What am I going to do? Wipe this on me. my mouth? Like, yeah, licked
2: I licked it. And it was very, it was very t- uh, bitter. Um, yes. And yeah, I remember that line and, and it, that I wrote something like it was a, a bittersweet communion with my own flesh and blood. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it really felt like that, you know, just to be like, wow. And, and the other cool thing that we've done um, in honor of Poppy on her one year birthday, we planted this beautiful, it's called a sunshine blueberry. And we planted this bush um, in a big old terracotta pot that I had painted with Poppy flowers. And, um, and then we sprinkled some of her ashes in it. So in the same way, every year when we eat these blueberries, they yeah. are poppy's blueberries. Yeah. You know, it's, it's this sense of just like, she's always with us. She is a part of us. Um, she always will be. And so, yeah, we've, we've done a, we've done a lot of stuff like that. And we've always kind of just let it be organic. Like we, you know, we didn't, like, I didn't read a book that was like, you should do this. This and that. You know, it's just like yeah. kind of letting it, letting that relationship you develop. You following
0: your heart and what it yes. was telling you to do. Always. So, so what other things like that have you found comforting over the time? It sounds like you were already a somewhat spiritual person. So I would say I was not. And then after Quinn died, I feel like I really like locked into like a whole other plane of yes. existence. <laughs> yes. Um, and when you were talking about like asking Poppy for a sign and, and yeah. she answered, I've been reading this book. Have you read the book Signs? I haven't. It's just, it's, it's talks about like the language of the universe and just like, she really clearly says like, ask. Yes. Yes. Ask out loud. Just ask
1: out loud.
2: I do ask out loud. Good. I, you know, it's so funny. Our parents teach us so many things, but one of the things that my mom taught me and really, I think it's a way of being in the world is, you know, ask and you shall receive and, or like ask and like, what's the worst that can happen? Someone says no. So it's like, okay. And I will say, and this is especially for your audience, but anyone that's going through loss, like the one thing that I can say, Poppy, Poppy's death, and Poppy in her afterlife, and in this relationship that she and I have cultivated, is that just just put it out there, like yeah. ask, ask, and you shall receive. You know, ask, and like, and the messages will come, right? Like, if, you know, in in that, just allowing yourself to kind of practice and trying on believing things that maybe you never did before. I think that it's, it's so hard for bereaved parents because there's such a longing for the child that we've lost, you know, the expectations and what we thought we were going to have and the memories we thought we were going to create. And I guess the one thing I could say to anyone who's newly bereaved, especially is give yourself permission to have a relationship with your child, even though that physical being isn't there anymore. And allow yourself to to have those conversations and communicate with that spirit and see what happens.
1: So well, let me ask this: like, how do you um, once that veil of naivete is, lo- is lost on you? I want to know: like, does it feel? Um, do you feel like, oh well, obviously, I know you die. I know you die in the blink of an eye. I know the line between life and death is so thin. That's what we say all the time. Yeah. I'll say this
2: i am not afraid of dying yeah um i don't have any interest in dying anytime soon yeah uh, i would like to live um a long long life and i was i want to say but like i want to live a long healthy vibrant life you know as i sit here <laughs> with stage four breast cancer and for your listeners i was diagnosed with um stage four metastatic breast cancer on march 18th of 2022 and so that's about just over three, three months since, you know, this, this audio, this is being recorded. So it's been a complete whirlwind. I mean, I'm 10 weeks into chemotherapy and my, I mean, June 18th was the three month anniversary of having the whole thing confirmed on pathology. So like it has been a complete whirlwind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And you know, it's funny in terms of like the insensitive trite shit people say, I would, I would say that like, you know, People thankfully haven't said really dumb things to me because I've been very open about like not wanting to deal with people's fear. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, I am choosing to share that I have stage four metastatic cancer with the world. And because I'm not afraid, I would prefer you not to splatter your fear all over me because I really don't have the bandwidth to deal with your fear right now. Like if you do have fear, let me teach you some self-compassion tactics. You know, and I've Mm -hmm. literally done that, right? You know, because because it is normal to be afraid, right? But, 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 given the shoes that I've walked in in my story already, like what I am learning about from from my perspective, what I'm experiencing from the cancer space is balancing the notion that, like, the day you get diagnosed with cancer, like you become a warrior. Is that tiring? Does that feel like a
0: lot of pressure?
1: Also, okay. look, I have like it's when people say you're so strong, you're so brave, like.
0: I maybe am neither strong
1: Like I just had to live my life. I didn't really have a choice. So it's like, what was my
2: alternative? I I feel exactly the same way, right? Like yeah. so, you know, and and I am strong and it's I am brave, right. right? But maybe not all the time, right? So for me, as I've dealt with the cancer diagnosis, it's accepting sort of the vernacular, or or you know, accepting the vernacular in our culture for what it is that like. I became a warrior the day I got diagnosed with cancer and that I'm fighting a battle, right? That like there's, that there's a war. Right. And I'm like, okay, I get that. That's how people talk about it, but I don't want a war Mm -hmm. inside of my body. Yes. I don't want to battle this. I want to drink a nice warm cup of tea and crawl under my covers. And do a yoga nidra session or, 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 you know, have, have some beautiful meditative voice, like guide me into this blissful sleep so that I can heal. Right. And so for me, I, what's really important is as, as time goes on, I think, and as I stand on that platform, right. Cause now I have, now I am standing on this pregnancy loss and stillbirth platform as a published author. And as someone who's got six years of healing, and I can really talk about it very articulately. But as someone who's newly diagnosed with cancer, I'm still figuring all this out, right? Like, it's still yeah. new. To me, and this is
1: just me, Alina, and feel free to jump in. To me, that's where the magic is. Like, I think that the reason the reason Alina and I started this podcast is because we said we want to tell the story from the ground up, like, from where you're still figuring. We don't want to start the story when I've already healed. Like, I can, sure, I can talk very eloquently about certain components of the loss, because I process them, but I would rather, I think the story that's more interesting is when you're in the thick of it and it's a shit show. Like to me, that's where
2: I wanna hear. And that's that's why I started writing my book the night I got home from the hospital. And it wasn't a book at that point, of course, but I, as a writer, right? Like- at that point, podcasting never would have, I loved listening. I've listened to podcasts for years now, but it never even entered my mind. It was always like straight to the keyboard, like yeah. straight to the journal. And yes, I do think actually I, I, I use an app called Otter AI. So it's an artificial, artificial intelligence and it transcribes your, your conversations. And I, mm. actually, I've joined the pro cause actually after I got, I, I started using it as part of the writing program that I was in to finish my book. And then when I got diagnosed with cancer, I com- they give you like 5,000 words a mi- or 5,000 minutes a month for free, which is a ton, right? Like, could you really need more? I ran out of minutes because I was literally recording like everything.
0: You had a lot to say.
2: <laughs> I had a lot to say. Every single conversation I was having with the doctor, every like mind-blowing aha moment. I was working with this depth hypnosis practitioner and I recorded all of our sessions because I was like, I know that stuff is coming out of me right now. That's that, that fresh stuff that I, there was so much going on that there was, I had no time to actually sit down and write, but I thought like, man, and I'm also one of those people that learns by hearing myself speak, you know, like I could like this, like, I will learn something about myself from this conversation, right? I will hear myself say something and I'm like, Oh. That was brilliant <laughs> like but i'm learning it in the moment right like i'm yes. actively processing
0: i actually I i'll say so i don't feel like i'm that way but i do think judith you are that way like you'll call way. me sometimes and you'll just talk for five minutes and i can i can literally hear you working it out as you are Please talking out. You? Well, no not at all i'm so happy to be the recipient of five minutes of i Judith's do wisdom. that's how i
1: process yeah
0: i also am that way
1: yeah it's powerful it's a really powerful way and a lot of times I know for myself, I'll be like, I, I can't hang up until I get it. Like, I want to pull it apart. And if it's still a knot in my head, I have to keep going until I, have and like, sometimes I'll be like, oh, that bothered me. But why did that
0: bother me? Yeah. And then I'll be like, can you help me
1: understand? Why did that bother me? I'll like
0: ask you a couple of questions, like try to tease it out. Yeah. And usually you just like all of a sudden at some point there's like,
1: that's just how I process. So I understand what you're saying, how that's how we process. Yeah.
0: Uh, I actually, so Judith and I, we were having a conversation earlier today Um, and I wonder if you, you have a living child as well now, right? And so I don't have a living child yet. Fingers crossed. Hopefully someday. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about this earlier and you were saying that your new daughter, you feel like you don't have the same connection with her that you did, that you did with Aiden. And I asked you is it that you don't have that connection with her or is that, is it that once Aiden died, you got this like extra connection. It's like almost like yeah. you don't actually want that connection right. with, with Mia because it means that she's, she's gone. gone.
2: Yeah. I never needed to know in the context of, of, of having a, a child die. I never needed to know so much about what happens to our souls ever. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, well, where is she? Like, where'd she go? And you
0: know, I had Again, just like it changes in an instant. So it's like, wait,
2: what? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? And you know, right? Because both of you, both of you had living children who then yeah. died. Mm-hmm. I had a child who lived inside of me but never lived outside of me. So mm-hmm. the only time I ever held my baby, she was already gone. And so, you know, it's just like, but wait, okay, so here's the body, but like I believe that we have souls, but like, but where, like, what, what happens? Like what happens, you know? And I, and it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people have the ideas of like, you know, our babies become these angels or whatever. And I'm like, I don't think they're like an angel, like, you know, (laughs) but, but like they were pure, right? Like, I mean, they've never, like, I don't know, from a spiritual or religious perspective, like they've never, if, if hell were a thing, babies don't go there. Let's just say that, right? You know what I mean? So and I, I really don't believe in hell, but like, I actually, when I was in the hospital and I had not yet actually given birth to Poppy, but I, they gave me some fentanyl cause I was losing my mind. I was shaking like from like my bone marrow felt like it was shaking. Like I was, I was so like the trauma was so yes. deep, you know? And, and, and I had that fear. I literally remember the fear of just like Oh my God, I'm never going to stop shaking. Like this is never going to stop. Yeah. So I asked my doula if they could, I was like, I want narcotics. Cause I knew I, you know, I had taken all the birthing classes. Like I knew that that was something that I was just like, I need something. So they gave me this fentanyl and of course, you know, fentanyl makes you really high, but it also helped me calm down. So I was just like, I was tripping basically. And I, but I had this amazing visualization of, of Poppy's spirit passing through Andromeda. Andromeda is the neighboring galaxy to the Milky Way. I mean, y'all, that's a long way away. Like, Adromeda, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? The Milky Way is massive, right? So if, if Moxie, I mean, if Poppy, sorry, my daughter's, my living daughter's name is Moxie. If Poppy was already in Andromeda and she actually physically hadn't been born yet, like the sky's the limit, right? Like, and and so that was a very comforting I mean, and, and, and I will say this, it was very comforting inside my brain at that moment to imagine that, that Poppy was
0: fine. Yeah. Like, that's right.
2: Yeah. Right. Like she was, she, it was, it was okay. And, and, and what people will see when they read my book, and this was something that, that took me a long time to discover for myself was that, um, that Poppy Poppy had a purpose when she came and, and that part of her purpose was actually giving me the opportunity to be her mother and to learn these lessons and to tell these stories and to have a message and to be a voice and to, you know, and to continue to share and to tell my story in this very easily digestible way through, through the book. And, and, um, But she also was really, really sorry that I had to go through it, you know, like in a way that she never could tell me, but that I, but that I was able to sort of like divinely understand through again, cultivating the relationship with her was that she was like, I'm sorry, mommy. Like I, I, I had to go Mm -hmm. and I know this is going to be really hard on you, but you can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had to kind of believe that over and over again of like my, my child would want me to be happy. My daughter went, not that I needed, not that I was like, I need to like, I need to like pull myself up on my bootstraps. But like when I felt joy and then immediately felt guilt for feeling joy, yeah. I was like, no, 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 it's okay. Like Poppy wants me to laugh. Yes. If Poppy were here she would want me to be a joyful happy mommy like living my life and having relationships and you know and being in the world and and functioning right so like when i found myself functioning after months and months of not functioning i didn't have to feel bad about it because it was like my daughter wants me to live a vibrant life my daughter wants me eventually to be a mommy again to a living child like all of these things can be mine and again, it was just like a choice over and over again. I had to choose, I had to really commit to the healing process because gosh, I mean, I know there are probably, maybe you haven't found yourself slobbering on the kitchen floor, but there were times oh, no, we
0: have, yeah. we're very good at that. We love the floor here. We love the floor.
2: Yeah. P- pools of slobber on the kitchen floor, right? Like crying do you feel like copy is a source of strength for you absolutely yeah, yeah. for sure and for others that's the other mm-hmm. thing too is that like i feel mm-hmm. so honored that i was her mommy and also i do believe that she is she is a source of inspiration for other people it's not just me right like this sort of this wellspring of creativity and inspiration that i have even again as you're we kind of saying theme of this conversation of like even as i go through through so many hard things and I'm faced with my own mortality and I'm dealing with chemotherapy and I'm going to have my boob cut off later this year. And then I have to have six weeks of radiation and like all of it. It's just like, you know what? I'm, I I mean, I'm clearly not immune. I mean, let's be real. Like, I mean, like there's no joking around about it. Like, I mean, I say that with, with a touch of humor, but it's like, dude, if, if something is going to happen, it will probably. happened to me you're like yeah. a magnet you're like a
0: magnet for stuff it's oh like it's never so-
2: and, I, and i know i'm not attracting it like i also don't believe that i'm manifesting any of this no, i don't think i'm calling it in i don't, I think that's a whole bunch of nonsense like i don't i don't think i mean i certainly think that we like our mindset is very powerful and what we choose to believe matters but i don't think i also think that the universe is totally random and it's not personal i 100 percent agree I, you know
1: i feel like when you make it personal like it, this it, I was chosen to learn this lesson or whatever. I don't like that because why me and why not them? But yeah. if I live with the idea that bad things happen to good people, and then things happen to good people, you get to do the learning, and then you get, you get it, to learn to do the right. things. But it is very possible that we could have had a loss and learned nothing. It's
2: true. We could have. It's so true. It's so true. I think yeah.
0: there are
1: a
2: lot of people out there who do go through losses, and and I don't want to say they learn nothing, but I think that that. that maybe perhaps they don't have the support system Mm -hmm. or or they don't have the connection of like you two found each other, right? Think about the inspiration. Honestly,
0: even the personality, like I think part of it is my person. And I, in reading your book, I think we're somewhat similar. Like you really committed to the healing process. And both of us have also really committed to the healing process. We're like, got to feel these feelings. Got to do the therapy. Got to do the meditations. Got to do it all. And it all feels... I know that some of that is my personality where I'm like, go, 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 got fix, fix, fix. But honestly, it serves me.
2: It does. I think, you know, one of the things I I could, I have so many journals. I've got like, I've got to organize (laughs) journals because I have so many different journals, but I have this one little journal that was just like like four inches by three inches and was just like an eighth of an inch thick, but I stuck it in my purse. I almost always had like a notepad or something in my purse because I would have ideas and I would be like, I got to write this down. Otherwise I'm going to forget it but it became my permission slip journal. And it would be, I would, I would, and this was like in the early days of my grief process where I would be out with a friend and, and I would just be, I would just be grieving, you know, and, and my friend would be holding space for me. And I'm just like, guys, like, you know, I, just I like, I'm so tired. Like all I want to do is sleep or, or, or I, or I want I, I think I'm, I'm, I might quit my job. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if I can be a lawyer anymore. And then my my one girlfriend suggested that I use this little journal to be my per, permission slip journal. And so she's like, what, where's your permission slip? Like, let me, and I would pull out my journal and we would get a pen and she would write that. down. She's like, dear Katie, I give you permission to lay down and sleep whenever you need to, period. Like, I love and like, yeah. can
0: I ask you a question, Judith? Yeah. What would you give yourself permission to do right now? Think about it. What would you say? I don't know, Katie, what would you say? And right now, like now, literally while you're sitting here right now, what would you give yourself permission to do?
2: I'm learning how to give myself permission to sort of like be bad, like no holds barred, like just like, what kind of bad things are are you doing? doing? (laughs) Well, I can't say that. Well, they might not be bad, bad, like in a traditional sort of way, but I, I've, I've recently connected with this incredible author, um, an amazing woman. Her name is Jen Pasteloff. She wrote a book called on being human. And she also has these writing workshops. And I was in her writing workshop called Allow. And in her workshop, like the 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 like the very first thing was like, okay, we're all gonna let ourselves be bad. Basically, like screw up, basically, yes. just like I'm just gonna let myself be imperfect. And I didn't want to use the word imperfect because I'm actually a recovering perfectionist. So <laughs> yeah,
1: she's <laughs> at a work retreat, and someone says something that blew my mind. They were asked. They said something about how the culture of the office, everyone was expected to be perfection and be perfect. And when they make mistakes, they feel like bad, like they missed out. And someone, and one of the women stood, I don't, and said, I don't think the opposite of perfection is making mistakes. Making mistakes does not mean you're not perfect. Like none of us are ever going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. We can't strive for perfect. We're striving for the best we can. And when you do the best you can, you make mistakes all the time. Yeah. So it's. So she was basically saying like, yeah, you're going to make mistakes, but that doesn't mean you're not achieving excellence in your own mind. You are achieving excellence.
2: Part of the process is making mistakes because we're human beings. Well, and someone, I, I heard someone else say something amazing about um like failure and success or like this in the same way. And it was something like failure is actually just evidence that you're, and that you're heading towards success. Like you know, in the same way that y'all said, like you want to start this podcast now when it's messy and a disaster and it, and you don't have all the answers and you're figuring it out, you know, you're like, because, because that gives people permission to go, oh my God, I look the same way. I, I feel the same way. I'm having the same experience because, I, and I think too, I had the same experience in writing my book and I, I started blogging. So I was, so Poppy died in October of 2015. I basically started like writing what I committed to be a book in like January, February, where I was just like sitting down in front of my computer every day and allowing the incredible sadness to just pour out onto the page. Um, A lot of which, you know, never made it into the book mainly because it was nonsense. It was in, you know, it didn't, it was incomprehensible. Like it was horrible. It was horrible. Like it was literally like no one needed to read that ever. Right. But, but I got it out and it, and there were moments of brilliance within that, but, But like, I started blogging in May of 2016. So about eight months after Poppy died. And the main reason I started blogging is because I was like, I need people to witness me now. I need people to see this now. And if when I went back, and as I was, I've been building out my website, and I, I put all of my blog posts on my website. And as I was doing that, I saw this, like, I just bit by bit, I could see myself making these progressions and like, wow, this is fascinating.
0: This is what we talk about too. Like we go back and listen to early episodes of this podcast. We started this six months ago, seven months ago. This is not old. We can see how much improvement we've made. And I don't want to say improvement because I don't want to say bad, bad before.
1: We could say we've seen how much he- Yes.
0: Yes. And it's also, I think some of the magnitude of the healing would be lost if we didn't have that record. Like I wouldn't remember just how bad things were in December. And
1: and by the way, by the time we spent in December, it had been bad. It had been worse. It had been so much worse. Like I almost was worried that we start too late because maybe we sound too good, but because it was so bad. Yeah. Um, I would give myself permission to say, to complain and say, this is Mm. really hard. I feel like because I've done harder things that I'm always like, Judith, like you have an alive baby now. Like, you know, things aren't that bad. Things aren't that bad. So like, why are you so, why are you like suffering? Why are you complaining so much? Oh. Like, and I feel like I would say to myself, like, yeah, it's not the hardest thing you've ever done, but this is really, so so really hard. Really hard. Yes. And the things that I'm like dealing with right now, I feel like, I am not giving myself the permission, yes, to say this feels hard, hard and bad. That's and really good. So hard, <laughs> it feels so hard, and I'm so
2: sick of it. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad <laughs> so over this. I'm, I'm super proud of you. I think that's brilliant. You know, and it's funny. I actually did something similar to the extent of like letting yourself complain is i i love a gratitude practice like i've i've had many i've got many journals full of like what i'm grateful for and it's like the end of the day and i would write three things that i'm grateful for and i was it was in the middle of the pandemic and i was talking to a girlfriend and i was like man i'm doing my gratitude practice and you're like i mean i have so much to be thankful for you know and she's like yeah but aren't there things that are really hard and really tough right now and i was like yeah like pandemicing you know um pandemicing, uh, parenting and isolation. And like, you know, I, I mean, the list just went on and on, on, and on, and on, She was like, Hey Katie, what do you, she's like, how many things do you write down that, that were, you know, you're grateful for? And I was like three, she's like, how about you also write down three things that were really hard that day?
1: Yeah. yeah. And just get and it
2: out of your head. It's like, yes. She's just like, give yourself some perspective, right? Like be grateful and that's fine. But you, but, but still acknowledge what you're going through and again, giving yourself permission to complain, giving yourself, because it's not like it's going to, I mean, what's a little bit of complaining going to do? It's just going to let you get it out. And maybe for instance, let's say day after day, after day, after day, after day, after day, after day, you're complaining, quote unquote, complaining about the same thing. And you realize, Oh gosh, I keep complaining that like, I don't have an appetite or I'm overeating or gosh, maybe I should bring that to my therapist. Maybe I should, Cause I know for me, and, and it sounds like, and, and, and Judith, you have gone through pregnancy after a loss. And so did I, mm-hmm. and that is intense. I will tell you this after poppy died, I was prescribed by my sweet, sweet midwives, both an antidepressant and a sleeping pill. And I was like, okay. And I went and I got them filled and I picked them up from the pharmacy and I stuck them in my nightstand drawer and I never took either one of them. I had been on antidepressants before and I had even taken sleeping pills before back when I was lawyering in New York city. But I looked at both of these things and I was like, okay, one, my baby's been dead for two days. I'm not depressed. I'm grieving. and right. like, I'm not going to need any help sleeping because I don't want to wake up. So <laughs> where was that? Right. But also My whole point is to say that then I went through pregnancy after a loss and I had Moxie, who is my amazing four and a half year old and boy, did I have postpartum depression. Mm. I struggled for so many reasons. One of them being, I now had a living baby in my arms and realized everything I had lost. And two, I was really sleep deprived and sleep deprived thrown on top of pregnancy after loss thrown after someone who already suffered from major depressive disorder Mm -hmm. and then was dealing with all the anxiety of like, you were saying like, okay, you've, you've had a baby die from SIDS. Therefore you have, you are on high alert at all times. Like letting yourself sleep means the possibility of your baby dying, right? Like there's so many things, right? So I, one day I go to the kitchen and I'm opening up the refrigerator and I'm, so hungry and nothing. I like, I just shut the refrigerator door again. And I, and I go, oh, oh, this isn't grief, Katie. This is depression. This is different, <laughs> right? This yeah. is something else. And then I sort of like, I remember writing an email to my naturopath at that point, And I was like, I need you to prescribe me an antidepressant immediately. are like, and now, I'm depressed. Yes. Now I need yes. it. And I was like, I'm just grieving. And at that point I had never had her prescribe me medications. And so I didn't know if she did, like, I didn't know if she was just like, Nope, I'll only do supplements. And she was like, of course I'll prescribe you a, a, an antidepressant, like no, no problem, you know? And, and I have been on that antidepressant now since Moxie was eight months old. I got off of it for about four months and then we decided I needed to go back on it. So, I mean, you know and i so i take 10 milligrams of citalopram every single day and and i'm and i'm obviously very open about it because i'm talking about it on a podcast but like Listen, we're on we're, we're on, on all, all on it we're
1: on i'm on zoloft i'm on lexapro and i also take trazodine to sleep yes adavan as needed yeah propranol for, for the preemptively bad days <laughs> i'm half a medical bottle half a therapist i'm like half with my head off you know what i mean <laughs>
0: I think I've decided what I would give my permission, yeah, myself permission it? to do. And I think for me, I get in this headspace where I make all this progress. I see the progress. I recognize the progress and I get so excited. And then when I have a little backslide, I panic. And I think I need to give myself permission to just have a bad day, have a bad hour. I think I used to be better at that in the early days. And now that I've come so far, it really feels a little distressing every time it happens, right? Don't I do that? I think I need permission to just have a bad day.
1: I think also that um, I think you can also give yourself permission to say like I'm doing a lot right now and I need to do less because I feel like recently you've been maybe I don't know, but it feels like you've been way busier. And and when I first met you, you were doing nothing and it was almost like. (laughs) <laughs> to me, it's like, I wonder, like, do you know you could still do nothing? Like, you could watch documentaries all day. You don't have to do that. But I feel yeah. like you're happier, so you're like, I want to go out. Yeah. Does that yeah. make
0: any sense? It makes a lot of sense. And you're it so right. Sense.
1: Yeah, it's okay isn't to do she's, nothing all day. She cute? She's so cute. So good. But I actually wanted to ask you a question before I lose my train of thought. Um, what would you say is more difficult when your spirit is broken and your heart is broken or when your physical body is breaking
2: Oh, that's so interesting. Um, yeah. Because, because like with the, with the cancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the first, you know, that's so, that's such an interesting question. Definitely the spirit for me. I mean, I mean, it, it sucks to be sick or whatever. Like it sucks. To, like I've got all sorts of crazy symptoms. Like, and we won't talk about them, but like all sorts of stuff hurts, you know, like it's, and it's not obvious, right? It, it, I, I can still function just fine. But like, I've got mouth sores and yeah all sorts of, you know, sores and everything. So, um, I mean, I think spiritual pain outweighs, um, physical pain any day, right? Because there's like, you know, our body, it's interesting, like, you know, our body will heal itself. I mean, obviously until it doesn't, right. But for the most part, like our body is constantly healing in, in any maze, like the little cuts all over your hands or whatever, you know, you're like bruising, you bump into the wall, like, you know, it's always healing. Right. But like the spiritual work, or the spiritual pain, I think is what takes so much more of like more of the effort of like understanding, right? Because like the anxiety, I mean, we, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, I won't lump us all together, but I'm going to make some assumptions, but like in terms of like the depression and the anxiety and, and like the fear and sort of like the chronic, just like, I don't know how I'm going to make it through the day, the despair. Exactly. Like that, you know, will lead to the feelings of not wanting to be alive anymore, which I definitely dealt with. Like I I, I, I was suicidal at one point um, after Poppy died. And I mean, it was just like someone had dumped 10,000 pounds of bricks on my chest. And I just, I was just like, I can't mm-hmm. deal with this anymore. I just, I, I was just like, I was done. I just didn't want it anymore. And thankfully I saw, um, one of my naturopaths that afternoon, I was so desperate and I was so sad and she was holding space with me and she was being so compassionate and empathetic. And she said to me, she's like, now, Katie, here's the thing. She's like, it would be a shame if you killed yourself now because you're in the middle of hell.
1: (laughs) That's smart.
2: So matter of fact that I literally started laughing because I was (laughs) like, it was so funny. I mean, she just put it so honestly of Mm -hmm. like, She's like, it would be, you know, she was just like, give yourself an opportunity to get to the other side. Yeah. It's like, I know that the, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, like I know there's not much light, like you can't really see it. She's like, but it's there and you can, if you keep going, you know, and there was just something
0: so matter of fact and something so honest about that. I think sometimes that's what you need to hear. And obviously You know, we do actually have an episode coming up with Judas Therapist, and we talk about the, uh, you know, when to seek help and all of that. And there's, this is obviously a very serious topic and we'll include some resources in the description, but sometimes I think people are so terrified of, of the, the feeling of wanting to kill yourself that they don't seek help. And I think sometimes you just need someone to be like, of course you don't want to live anymore. Your child died. Yes. It's like, that makes perfect sense. And you're like, oh, okay, phew. All right. Then I don't have to kill myself. <laughs> so I do want to be mindful of the time. The last yes. thing I wanted to say, and this is not so much a question as a conversation starter or a prompt. So our podcast is called As Long As I'm Living. And that is a reference to obviously the book by Robert Munch, As Long As I'm Living, My Baby will Be. But it's also a reference to how we feel about the loss, which is as long as I'm living, I'm still alive. So I might as well make something of this. And your book is called Still Breathing. And I just feel like those are two very, like, we had similar ideas. Let me put it that way. And I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit about like naming your book and also how still, does still breathing kind of permeate your life? I feel like as long as I'm living permeates my brain.
2: I'm so glad you asked me about my book title. Um, (laughs) I, I, I say this because, um. Oh, my, t- my book had so many titles. It was through <laughs> so many different iterations over six years. And, um, and I finally landed on the title last summer. And it, what's cool about this is I actually wrote a blog post about my, my book title that now I lay me down to sleep is actually publishing on their blog in oh, the next so mm-hmm. week. Yeah. So June thanks. Yeah. I'm really excited because they, um, for those who are listening now, I didn't De- lay me down to sleep as an incredible organization of volunteer photographers who will come and take pictures of parents with their babies who have died. So we, we got that blessing, um, with Poppy. And so we have these pictures and, um, I, what it was, so it was 20, 2021. Um, I was desperate for some alone time. I was really, I <laughs> needed it. I mean, I was like, Cause you know, I mean, as a writer too, like you talk to any writer, like you need some isolation, you need some solace, you need to get away. Right. So my friend up in Bellingham, which is North of Seattle, where we live, um, invited me up for the weekend and I got in the car and like the second I got in the car and I was all by myself, I like my vacation had already begun, you know, like I was already, I was like, already like, <sighs> and, like, I buckled and I backed out of the driveway and I looked at my um, the screen of my car to pick a podcast. And the podcast that I ended up selecting was by Radio Lab, which is produced out of uh, WNYC. Um, I've listened to this podcast for probably 10 years, if not more. And the title of the podcast was Breathe, or maybe Breath, it was Breath. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I start listening to it. And within maybe 20, 30 seconds after all the intros and the promotions and whatnot, the um annie mcdermott is i think is her name and she started talking about this fascination that she has about the process of a baby taking its first breath and i was just like seriously (laughs) Mm -hmm. really you gotta be kidding me like (laughs) are you shitting me right now it's an onslaught (laughs) universe has a sense of humor (laughs) like I couldn't listen to the radio for probably a year after poppy died because every other song has the word baby in it. And even though they're not talking about babies, they're talking about like lovers. I'm like, it's all a baby to me. So like, I, you know what I mean? So, okay. So I'm listening to this podcast and I put it on pause and I had this moment of, I offered myself self-compassion because I do that a lot. I practice compassion a lot towards myself. And it was just like, do I want to listen to this podcast? Do I need to know the process of a baby taking its first breath? Because you know, I've had my second child, right? And she took her first breath, but who do I think of first? I don't think of my beautiful Moxie who is here living and alive. I think of Poppy who didn't get to take her first breath, right, the sadness of that. And I decide, okay, it's cool. Like maybe maybe this will be too triggering that you just need to pause it or you need to turn it off completely, but just give yourself a chance. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna give myself a chance. So I I press play and I start listening again And it ends up being this incredibly fascinating story. I I become totally enthralled by it where, um, this, the podcast host with the help of this specialist doctor, um, ends up describing the process of a baby taking his first breath, but they describe how, you know, a mother, when the baby is in utero, a mother is breathing for her child. Now on a very base level, I understood that, right? Like I I get that my oxygen gets somehow given to the baby, but I didn't understand the science behind it. And what actually happens is that I take a deep breath in and then, uh, you know, the blood travels into my heart and my bloodstream and then it goes to the placenta and then the placenta shoots the oxygen into the baby, but not through the baby's lungs, because the baby's lungs are actually like these little wet raisins, is how they describe it. A baby's lungs are never used until they take their first breath. So until and what happens? So so it's fascinating. So that my so my oxygen then gets shot up into the to the baby's heart. It gets mixed all together, red blood, uh, oxygenated blood and deoxygenated blood gets sent through the baby all to the place it needs goes back, then the baby's carbon dioxide gets shoot, shot through the back, through the placenta, and then I breathe out the baby's carbon dioxide, which to me was just like, whoa. And what happens is that when the baby is born, what happens is that the, the baby then goes, like they have, they're forced to use their lungs for the first time, and it's a very traumatic experience because they're going from this water world into the air world, and they're using their lungs for the first time. So I've, I've learned all this and I'm sitting there in the car and I'm driving and it comes to me because they talk about the mother breathing for the child. And then this, like a bolt of lightning, like so many times in my life before I thought I'm, I'm still breathing. I was, I was always breathing for Poppy and I'm still breathing for her. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's this, it's, you know, it's like this, like you were saying, it's just very meaningful to the extent of like, I am carrying on her legacy. I I mm-hmm. am her voice, right. Where she can't be a voice on her own. I get to do that. And every breath I take, and I think you probably feel the same way will always be in honor of, and will always be part of her legacy. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm still here and I still get to breathe. And I think about it too, as I think about, um, writing my second memoir, which I'm definitely going to do. I,
0: I, <laughs> well, you have, you have some updates since the last, I do,
2: I do. I've got some good things to say. And, and I was thinking, wow, it could be like still healing or, st- mm-hmm. you know, like still like there's so much, right. Cause now it's like, it's not just about Poppy anymore. Now it's like, oh wow. Okay. Well, Poppy died. And like, guess what? I'm going to die too, because getting the cancer diagnosis, as we alluded to earlier, has made me examine my own mortality in a way that like, I just hadn't done yet. And I really wasn't thinking about until they said it's cancer. And then it was just like, holy shit. Um, So yeah, so yeah, so still breathing. Um, I love it. I think that's just the perfect way to describe
1: um, the lives we live now. To all of our wonderful new friends, we want to hear from you. Email us at aslongasimlivingpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at aslongasimlivingpodcast. We'll get back to you as soon as our grooving brains allow. Yay!